0: Here we come blue and white and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney
2: And I'm Mike Dude
1: United get back to winning ways with a narrow 1-0 victory over Gillingham at Brunton Park we look back on a hard-earned three points against the Jills, and look ahead to another home fixture as struggling Rochdale make the journey up the M6 this weekend.
3: So true, view,
1: you know, Mike, you nearly caught me out there because, as you pointed out just before we were about to start recording, I hadn't changed the name in the introduction to Mike Boo I'd put Arnheim down McLennan. So when you said, and I'm Mike Booth, I looked at it and I was like, that's not, oh no wait, it is right, <laughs> isn't it? And I was I nearly, nearly stumbled on my words there. i was I'm very, very professional,
2: I can adapt to any situation that Terrific. put in ter- front of me.
1: An absolutely terrific bit of ad-libbing, well done to you Mike there, <laughs> the fantastic stuff. Um, how you doing mate? Uh, obviously we went up to the game the weekend, didn't we? And it was uh, not the most entertaining affair, but a good three points in the end.
2: Yeah, you you gotta grind out wins in in games like that. I mean, it's, uh, obviously we'll touch on that shortly. But yeah, I'm good. Obviously, we're recording this on the Wednesday, and with there been no game last night, of hmm. course, whatsoever. Hmm. I caught up on a few little odd jobs around the house that needed doing. You know, I polished all my coat hangers and I <laughs> arranged all my rice into size order. Um, it's some of them jobs that just need doing that you just never really get round to doing otherwise. You know.
1: Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. The, the no midweek game thing in a, in a minute, because I think we owe our annual explanation as to why we, we don't cover a particular games, shall we say. Um, but before we get side, just before I do the uh, the little sponsors bit, um, just to say thank you to everyone who, who got in contact about the football manager researcher role. Um, I had about four or five people show interest, so that's really good to see. I haven't got back to any of you yet, I do apologise for that, but what I'll do is tomorrow I'll, I'll drop you all an email. <coughs> Um, and get you in contact with Dean from uh, Sports Interactive, basically, to to see who's uh, most suitable for the role. But um, but yeah, big thank you again, once again, to everyone who showed interest in that. Um, and yeah, so just to just remind, obviously, uh, yet again this season, we are being sponsored by the Cal United Supporters Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Bunch at their website carlondondobunch.org. Also a reminder, um, get subscribing us on any good podcast app if you don't already. I know some people who go online onto the website and listen to the podcast app, which is great. But the easiest way to do it if you've got a mobile phone... Download a podcast app. There's loads of good ones out there. You can use Spotify. You can use Apple Podcasts if you've got an Apple phone. Google Podcasts if you've got a Google phone. PocketCast. Uh, there's there's various others. What, what do you use, Mike? What do you use to, to listen I to podcasts I use podcast? Spotify personally. Spotify. There you go. So Mike's a Spotify man. I'm a PocketCast man because I like to keep my music and my podcast separate. And it's a really easy app to use. I'm not getting paid to, to tell you this. It is genuinely great app. I used to use the Acast app, but unfortunately they got rid of it a few months ago, which is... It was quite upsetting because I had a shed load of podcasts to listen to on there. As it was, but yeah, just get, go on any good podcast app, search for and Bugle, click subscribe, and every time a new episode comes out, you'll get a little alert to let you know, and you can then download it and listen to it on the go. Um, and also, if on and those apps, if you can sponsor, uh, sorry, not sponsors, if you can give us a rating as well, that would be fantastic. They usually have a four or five star rating sort of thing, you know. So if you can give us a five star rating, that would be lovely, and a review as well. Actually, that'd be fantastic. And also you can follow us on social media at Brunson on Twitter and Instagram. I promise you I will start putting stuff on the Instagram feed too. That really do promise you. I'll try try and do something this Saturday maybe because I'm going up to the game with, a, with our good friend Johnny who's also a listener. So we'll try and do a few little bits when we go to the game. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Click Like on Facebook and um, when you find the page. And uh, email us, brunterbugle at gmail.com. And we also post on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and on the Cummins.net message board. Right, that's all the, the usual stuff out of the way, Mike. So, yeah, you sort of touched on the fact that there wasn't a midweek game there. We've been a little bit facetious when we say that, obviously, because a game took place this week between Cali United and a Premier League side's under-21 team. We don't talk about those games. We, from the very start of this podcast, we've we've had a principled point that we stand on, that we do not talk about the what is the Papa John's trophy, basically. It used to be the Johnson's Spade trophy, uh, was checker trade for a short while. In the past, if you want to go really far back, auto-windscreen shield, the auto-glass trophy, I think the freight rover trophy or something like that, if you go really far back. Hmm. Now, this competition was introduced in the 1980s and the idea of the competition was to give lower league teams in Division 2, II, Division 3, was or Division 3 and 4, as it was, even back in the 80s, a chance to play at Wembley, wasn't it, Mike? That yeah. was the whole intention of it. And, it, it's carried on. It, it, there are various different sort of guises and formats in the way they've done it. They've had group stages. They've had just straight knockouts. They've had like season... Where basically a certain number of teams have buys in the early rounds, don't they, Mike? I think back in the day we've had that a few times.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, they, they had non-league clubs in it at one yeah. point and mm. taken them out and
1: stuff like that. Yeah, so they've had all kinds of different formats. In the early stages, this competition has never been well supported in terms of crowds, has it? No. But that said... The crowds actually in the early stages before they introduced the latest format weren't that bad. They weren't great, but they were awful. You could go back into the late 80s, early 90s. You used to struggle to get crowds of eight, 900 for a lot of teams in the early stages of the competition. The latest stages of the competition is where the crowds pick up. Not too dissimilar to the League Cup, just obviously at a much sort of lower level of the crowds generally anyway. Now, a few years ago, or seven seasons ago I think it was now, the EFL decided, in a way, they were struggling to get sponsorship for the competition. And they managed to sort of sponsorship through the Premier League's help. And the Premier League said they would do it as long as they could have a certain number of Category A, I think it is, isn't it? Academy yeah. sides. Or well, Category 1, I think. Category 1, I think you're right there. Sorry, mm. I do apologise. Um, Academy sides were able to take part in the competition as under 21 or under 23 I think it's this the confusion no one knows it. I think it's under 21 now isn't it yeah, it used to be under 23 now. and the whole idea is that they would be allowed to take part in the competition basically um, to, to help the young players develop right hmm uh, we were also told under the guise that it would basically help young English players develop wasn't it yeah which is a bit of a joke as we'll touch on in a sec but Understandably, that created quite an angry reaction from diehard fans of lower league teams, because what you are doing there potentially now people people may say, well, cause that well, what what potentially are, you are doing is giving those under twenty one academy sides the chance to go to Wembley in a competition, mm. and take away that chance from a lower league team. The whole yeah. intention of the competition is you get a day out, you get to go to the final. As Carl fans, we know that Mike, you've been, you'll have been to quite how many of the finals have you been to that Carl have been I've to? I've
2: been it? to three of them.
1: Three of them. It's yeah. a brilliant day out, isn't it? The chance yeah. to go and see your team playing in a final at Wembley or at Cardiff, as it was for a few years, yeah. and win a trophy. It's a, it's an incredible thing. You don't get that feeling that often as a lower league fan, because of no. the fact, that obviously, the, you know, the FA Cup and the League Cup, realistically, are more often yeah. not going to be out of reach of us, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So the argument is, oh, but the academy sides, none of them have got to the, you know, they've only got as far as the quarterfinals, like yet, yet that is the point. Yeah. The second one of those teams gets to the final, the competition's ruined for me. Yeah. It becomes And
2: and it and it sounds weird and it sounds hypocritical. If Carlisle got to the final, I wouldn't go. And it sounds weird. Well, <laughs> we wouldn't cover y- it. Y-
1: y- we would y- not cover it.
2: Yeah, and but it sounds weird to say the whole point of the competition is to give clubs like us a shot at Wembley and if we get to Wembley, I'm not going. But they've co- completely ruined what the competition's about and the whole reasons behind it, I mean Like you were saying, it's to help the national team. You have the likes of Chelsea, a couple of years ago, played Belgium international, Battershy (laughs) And how's that going to help the England national team? Whereas that same season, Luton Town played 11 kids, which is surely more likely to help the England national team than playing a 25-year-old Belgian. Luton Town played their kids and they got fined for it.
1: And wasn't one of those kids, um, I might not have been one at that time, but one of the players to come through Luton's academy in recent years is, is James Justin, isn't it? Who's mm. Leicester City? Who's now in England international? <laughs> so you know where, where's the logic in that, eh? And I mean, mm. was it Stoke City had thirty-four-year-old or 33 year old um, Charlie Adam playing for them in some of those games? Yeah, Scottish exactly. Charlie Adam. It. I mean, yeah. So you know, it's up to people whether they want to go to those games. But my argument would be: if you do that, you are just you are basically justified. Is the wrong word, but you are you are basically making the EFL and the PL think, oh, it's completely acceptable to have these under-21 sides in a a lower league cup competition. And that's just the first step. Because you all know what the next step is, because Pep Guardiola said it enough times. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, we need to have B teams into the EFL to help us, you know, our young players aren't developing quickly enough. That's that's absolutely bollocks, quite frankly. You know what? If, If they haven't got enough game time and stuff, stop stockpiling them. Stop taking mm. all the best youngsters away from the lower league teams. And, and use if you them want them to conditions. get
2: experience playing against football league players,
1: send them out on loan. Yeah, or just don't, you know, don't sign them until they're ready from a, from a mm. lower league team. Mm. I mean, Everton fair play, they signed Brad Freight from us and at least he's played a little bit of first team football them. Or They sent him out on loan when they can. But, you know, you look at Liam McCarran, Leeds United mm. signed him from yep. us after, what, 20 games? Yeah. And how many games did he play for Leeds in that time? T- one, two? Exactly. For that? And now he's at yeah. Stoke City, and I know he's injured now, but he's not even getting games for them. Yeah, so I mean, th-
2: there's c- countless examples of players like that. But I mean, the thing for me is, if B teams are to enter the league, yeah, that's obviously at the expense of an actual football club. I mean, yeah. you know, we we yeah. sort of joke on here that the likes of Crawley or s- someone like that or Salford are not a proper football club. But, but
1: they've earned it for promotions. They've compared compared
2: to a B team, they absolutely are. And if they're allowed in the league, we could be playing Southampton B team on a, a Eastleigh's stadium in front of like four hundred people.
1: We could be playing Everton at you know Southwater Marine, somewhere like that. I mean, That's I'd go disgusting. to that to be fair, but <laughs> <laughs> you scab, you scab, yeah, scum. yeah. But no, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there was a the bigger crowd than expected for that game on Tuesday night, which is disappointing. Yeah. But I imagine it's a lot of kids going to watch them, particularly as it's one of the bigger under twenty-one sizes, isn't it? So that that was a bit of a disappointment. But then we've seen against the likes of you know the the Leicester and the Wolves is that we played in previous seasons. The crowds have been tiny for those games. Like we struggled, yeah. close to our lowest ever crowds. Some of those games, but
2: as well, by all accounts, that like, there was people with like m- shirts in the home end and they stuff like that. And it's just...
1: we are not going to say the name of them. Oh. Wow. Well, you've done it now, haven't you? So yeah. yeah, that that team basically, there were team people. Obviously, people who live in the city of Carlisle who support that particular Premier League team were going in in a in their shirts in the home ends. It's, it's particularly embarrassing, but but yeah. but there you go. The truth is, we just don't care about the competition more, which is really sad because we used to go to watch a lot of games. And I remember me yeah. and you the last season before this format was brought in. We went to watch them, us play them at Tranmere, didn't we? Yeah, it was quite yeah. an entertaining game. I seem to remember that one. It was like mm-hmm. a, I think it, we lost on penalties possibly that night. I seem to remember, but I think so. Yeah, fairly entertaining to, the fixture that was. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's sad what it's become. But we are sticking to our principles on this one. And you know, if yeah. people want to go, that's their choice. But if B teams, they get put into the league. It's on your head. Is that all I'll say? Yeah. And uh, and I, I I do applaud John McCormick. obviously he has a job to do, and I totally appreciate <laughs> that. But he, he he very much sticks to his principles on, his fault on the competition, and good on him for that. So, yeah. So there you go. Right. I think we talked long enough about why we don't uh, talk about those games. Yeah. Uh, Mike, haven't we? And you've given me a point where I'm gonna have to bleep the name of the team out as well. So uh, <laughs> so there you go. Um, let's talk about proper EFL League action. An absolute frill. No, it wasn't a thriller at all, was it? It was It was a pretty stinking game overall. But um, yeah. United got the three points. It was a 1-0 win against Gillingham at the weekend. Um, not a huge amount of action to talk about on this one, I think it's fair to say. But um, mm. as we said at the start, Mike, fairly happy with the result in the end.
2: Yeah, three points is all that matters at the end of the day, isn't it? And uh, not just the three points, but they didn't really have any shots that tested holy no. i i I mean it says he they had shots on they eight shots on goal three on target i can't think of any sort of i can't think of him making saves he he sort of had a few loose balls to collect, and he did that absolutely yeah. brilliantly, but shots wise they really didn't do anything and it's a bit of a trend now that you know he doesn't seem to have a lot of shots to face, which is sometimes the sign of a good keeper if you're able to organize your defense in front of you.
1: Yeah, well, what I would say is I went back through and I looked through the... Um, I always... After after every game when we're going to cover it, what I do is I go through and I watch the extended highlights on the iFollow, which is about nine minutes worth in the end with a little, you know, so you get a fair bit in there. Some of the bits they put in as highlights were, were crosses that were claimed by the keepers. That tells mm. you all you need to know because mm. thinking back to some of the other games, the Swindon game, for instance, there was a lot of highlights packed into that and it was actually quite exciting. This, nothing of the sort, it was, it was pretty poor. The only real big chance of him they had was the chance for um, the lad who should have been sent off, who we'll touch, talk on uh, about later, um, what's his name, uh, Tutonda. He had that chance where the ball sort of came across the the box and Mandron made a arse of controlling it first, but then managed to get it over to Tutonda and he hit a sort of first-time shot that Holy sort of parried and then claimed at the second attempt. But that was about as good as their chances got, really. They had a header that went wide as well, possibly, but that wasn't included in the um, extended highlights, so it can't be that good of a chance.
2: I mean, at the same time, the only real other chance that I feel we had was that Paul Huntington header, which forced a very, very good save from their keeper.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's probably to be fair. We didn't have a huge amount of chances of ourselves. That that's a fair assessment, actually. Um, but yeah, in terms of when we arrived for the game, Mike, um, team selection. No major surprise. I suppose the major surprise was the Huntington started I I think the hope was that he'd maybe have a little bit more time to get himself ready, maybe even featuring that midweek mm. game that we don't talk about to build his fitness up. But actually in the end. I think the the Stevenage game sort of necessitated maybe a change of getting a <coughs> a bit more physical in there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um and he he looked he looked great, didn't he? Um yeah. and yeah, you can't really disagree with that. He, he seems he seems to be relatively in decent shape. Obviously, he needed to take it off in seventy minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and yeah, he, he had an absolutely fantastic game, didn't he? Yeah. He really did. Yeah. Um, well,
1: well, we'll go into a bit more detail on how good he was actually in a minute yeah. once we talk about some of the chances stuff. Him a little bit harsh on Jack Ellis to drop out of the matchday squad, maybe. But you know, he's going to have those sort of you know coming out of the squad over the season. I think he's it's a good learning curve for him, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely, um, and I feel Ellis is, is one of them. You know, when you had uh, Branthwaite coming through at a similar sort of age. In fact, I think Branthwaite is a little bit younger, isn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. Branthwaite was coming in and he looked special. And yeah. this—I don't mean this in a disrespectful way towards Ellis, but Ellis doesn't look like the same level as Branthwaite. But he can just come in, do a job, and and that's what you want from him. Um yeah. and and you know, I don't think. Well, God forbid, we're going to have another injury crisis like we've got now, but it's good to have a player that you can just call on and he can do a job when needed.
1: Yeah. And I reckon he'll get these chances at right wing back as well, actually, because back's done really well at the start, but it's a bit much to expect him to play the full 90 minutes of the mm. whole season, you know, all 46 games, he's going to have yeah. spells, but he's going to have to come out, because he's a young lad as well, to be fair. Uh, nice to see Moxon back in a bit earlier, probably than expected as well, you know, the, the thought was he might be on the bench this one, but he he replaced Harrison, and another great game from him, so that was good to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that in terms of team selection, that was probably about what we expected, really. Um, mm. Well, let's talk about the, the game itself, then. Like, I mean, let's talk about the goal, really, let's get straight to it, the only goal of the <laughs> game, John Mellish, um, He's been credited with it. Is it his goal? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I, mean, I think if if, if, if if the EFL has a disputed goals panel, I have a feeling they may take a look at that and go, oh, that's not his goal, that one.
2: I mean, look, there is an argument that it was maybe going wide when it it's left like, oh, well wide. Boots. It's cross, isn't it, really?
1: When <laughs> you look at it but from the But at the end of the
2: day, a player who is sort of getting into them sorts of positions and getting onto balls like that deserves credit. And it was that a lovely credit move, has it? come in the form of being awarded a goal.
1: It was a lovely move, though, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it starts off with Gibson nicking the ball pretty much in front of the dugouts on the right wing. And mm. he brings the ball right to the edge of the box. And he has It's frustrating, this Gibson. He wants to try and do it all himself sometimes. And he, he's been fantastic this season. He really has. Mm. But there's one of those, ones, oh, why are you taking a shot there? But then, fair play, he recovers the ball well and he used it so well to, to pick out armour. He sort of gets down towards the byline and does a lovely little back heel into the path yeah. of an, an underlapping John Mellish. It, it, it can be a really effective weapon in that sort of way, can't he? You mm. know, Bursting into the box. Uh, well, he
2: he kind of initially tried to overlap, and yeah. then that wasn't on, so then he, he ran inside. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a great sort of improvised little move, wasn't it, really?
1: Yeah, and then he slides in and... It looks like the ball's getting away from him. Full credit to him, he slides in and just pokes the ball on it. And it comes off Max Aymer and goes into the net. It probably should be Max Amer on goal. But at the moment, it's gone to Big John and who are we to, who are we to argue with that, eh? Yeah. Um, it's one of those things though, isn't it? I think Mellis can really do that role really well. You know, sort of the overlapping, underlapping centre-back, however you want to call yeah, it.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Because he, he can really bomb up the pitch. And actually, in the way we play... <laughs> Obviously, wheeling started the weekend, but what you can do almost, you can almost then switch to a four-four-two, can't you? As Mellish almost mm. bombs up the left wing. Mm. Gibson just does it down the right wing. It, it's quite an adaptable way of playing, isn't it? It's, it's, well, that was that was
2: where that was where we saw the best of Mellish as a midfielder when he yeah. could bomb forward, kind of undetected um and we had the debate so many times last season didn't we mellish in a two or mellish in a three in midfield and it's kind of the same with centre-back like if you were to play him in a two at centre-back he has to be a little bit more restricted but in that three he's got the freedom and you want you want him to have freedom and you want him to be uncaged and ready to unleash havoc yeah. on on teams
1: yeah well we we can talk a little bit more about mellish performance Sean. i think we'll talk about both Hinton, Huntington and i Mellish. i think both of them are fantastic yeah at the weekend um I mean, let's talk about the chances during the game other than the goal. I mean, there's not really a way to pick out, is there? I mean, I've, str- no. I've really struggled watching the highlights with this. I mean, Amari had an early header from a, a back cross at, at the right, which he maybe could have done a little bit better with. But actually, when you look at it back, he, he's having to get up quite high to get to it. And it's not an easy one to sort of direct. I think if he, he's going to direct it towards goal, I think the keeper's probably got a decent chance of saving it. To be honest, it's one of those ones, isn't it? it, it yeah,
2: but if he saves it, does he parry it out? And, yes, you know
1: could done a little bit better I think it's fair to say. I think a fully fit and fully more sharp and switched on Patrick probably does a bit better with that um Christian Dennis probably his only chance of the game really picking the ball up um inside the uh Gillingham half takes it on from 30 yards and it's it's high and wide in the end it's a bit closer than I thought actually though when you watch the highlights back it looked like it was well wide at the time but Mm. I wasn't too far off and For a player who's a snibber and, you know, someone who's getting goals in the six yard box and that kind of thing, I fancy him to score a real belter for us this season. He's got a real belief about him, hasn't
2: he? I mean, it it was very much a a confident player's shot, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't think he'd have tried that if he wasn't on the little run that he was on. Um, But, yeah, I think if you did do like a little heat map of all of his goals this season, (laughs) they'd all be certainly in the box, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I just fancy him to get one of those because he has scored a few of those for Chesterfield in the past, so he's got that in him. Um, Finn Buck nearly scored an own goal, didn't he? Had the, mm. the one panicky moment at the back. To be fair, he had to get something on it because the lad would have been in otherwise, And He just heads it out just sort of wide of Holy's net. And I think Holy might even, you know, being the big lad he is, Holy may have been struggling to get on the end of that. Um... We mentioned the Totonda shot that Holy saved just before. Uh, as you mentioned before as well, Huntington's so close with that header. It doesn't look quite as impressive on the on the highlights, does it? The save from mm. the keeper. But from from the angle we were in in the paddock, you could see actually the ball comes through a group of players before the keeper saves it, doesn't it? It doesn't mm. really quite give you that perspective when you're looking at it from the, the main camera country. So It, was well, actually it wasn't even on save. the
2: YouTube um, highlights. That Was header? it not?
1: No, no. Oh, wow, I was surprised with that. Because it mm. genuinely was a really good chance. And it was, uh, it's
2: not like there was a lot of other highlights that no. could have been picked No, I mean, some of the ones they, they bought in were
1: crosses straight to the keepers. It was yeah. ridiculous. I do wonder sometimes how they pick those highlights. It's, 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 it's a bit bizarre. Um, and the only other real moment of, of worry, I think there was a header they had on late on that was wide, but it was similar to Patrick's chance. It, 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 it's a chance, but it's not a clear-cut one. Um, the only other one was um, Huntington. The one time he nearly got caught out was a little ball over the top. Um, and the lad Kashket was in and he he's sort of stretching to try and get it under control isn't he he just can't get enough to, to kill the ball dead and holy being the the alert stopper he is he was out to, to claim it and uh, and yeah the result is another clean sheet for big Tomash, which is good mm. to see um, yeah should, should we do one of the six second reviews now then Mike um, yeah go on so first up we've got um, Kieran Bullman. he sent us one in um, we've got the two Bullmans, Greg and Kieran today I don't think they're actually related. <laughs> they might correct me on this after we've recorded. But uh, but here's Kieran. one. This is a belter. He's very verbose in his, uh, his language, shall we say.
2: I thought that this was a quintessentially game of two halves involving two sides where it is probably too early to say whether they are evenly matched or not. I thought we struggled to take a foothold in the game after a fairly bright opening thought we were a bit disjointed, disorganised,
3: discombobulated and gave the ball away on way too many occasions. Second half we picked up exponentially I thought, started playing um, you know, a, a,
2: an effective pressing game which ultimately resulted in a goal by the ever tenacious John Mellish. All in all the result was more pleasing than the performance but you know what they say, Play ugly, win ugly. It's the making of potentially a very
1: good team. That's Kieran Easton. Kieran's swallowed the thesaurus there, didn't he? Some of <laughs> cracking, cracking words in there, wasn't it? It's great yeah. to hear that. Thank you, Kieran, very much for your report. I don't think you could disagree with any of that, could you, Mike, really?
2: No, certainly not. I think he, he summed it up. But there's one thing that you didn't put down here. And Go that's on. the fact that Gillingham should have had a red card.
1: You know what? I haven't put it in there, but you're absolutely right. I was going to discuss that. Let's briefly talk about that then. Um, so for those who weren't there, um, their left wing back um, to Tonda. I think he's one of their better players, actually. Um, first half uh, from one of their set pieces, we were went to break away. And uh, he just, he pulled back Finn back. It was a cynical one, wasn't it? It was a blatant mm. yellow. No arguments from him at all just the way it is then into the second half we started the first, second half really brightly the first five minutes especially we were really got at them didn't we, we yeah we didn't I mean, this, just, this oh, was in
2: the first couple of minutes of the second yeah, half wasn't it, was it this... i
1: think in the first five minutes yeah and so yeah. basically ball comes out to the the right wing and Finnbach shows a lovely bit bit of skill to get past two in, initially and two just lunges in and it's right on the literally right on the edge of the box and brings down back and back is into the area basically if if, if If he doesn't take down back, he's in with a clear chance to put a cross in for Dennis to score, basically, or something similar. Mm. The referee decides, no, it's not a yellow card. He doesn't even have a word with Totonda. That's the thing that surprised me. He he just... nothing. Neil Harris, go on.
2: Well, quite often in the past, if a player's on a yellow, pretty much any foul from that point is a second yellow. But that was a, a yellow in its own right. Cynical. Yeah.
1: It was cynical, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And Neil Harris being the switched-on manager, he was fair play to him. He recognised straight away, back's got, he's got him on toast here. I'm going to have to yeah. take him off. Yeah, And yeah. literally, the set piece was taken and the ball was cleared out for a throw-in. And basically, in fact, in fact, that was when the header came in, wasn't it, from, um, mm. from Huntington, from that set piece, not long after. Mm. Um, and basically, the ball was cleared out, went out for a throw-in, and he got subbed off. Yeah. And there was absolutely, and you could see Simmer was fuming about it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like, yeah. You know, he gets sent off. That changes the game completely. Yeah, we won it in the end, but we could have won it more comfortably potentially. But and at the yes, same time,
2: out. I've been to games before where, because obviously it was level at this point, and obviously a lot of away teams come and they sort of hope for a point or maybe they can snatch a win. But once they go down to ten men, it's just ten men behind the ball all game and give everything for that one point. Yeah. So. You know, it, it's, it's 50-50, isn't it? We could have maybe battered them if he'd gone, but at the same time, they could have really drawn the game out more and frustrated us, and it could have just been a, a nil nil draw.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of those days, isn't it, uh, where the, the ref wasn't actually that bad, to be fair. He didn't get a huge amount wrong, but that was the one thing yeah. that really stood out for, like, he should have he should have been a bit more clinical there, isn't it? It's one of those ones, I suppose he looks at it, Maybe he's thinking the fact that at that point, Tutonda was the only person who'd been booked. Mm. I suppose maybe he's thinking, I don't want my two bookings in one game to be just sending one bloke off. it Literally the only two bookable offences in the match. Mm. But it still should be. That's why it should mm. be the case. Cause exactly. Clearly, that's what he did. So, But yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more with what Kieran said in his bit. It's uh, good to hear. Now, let's have a regular 60-second review. Uh, here's Greg with his thoughts on the game.
3: Right, I thought that was a scrappy affair on Saturday. Two teams who didn't really create a lot of chances and look like scoring. Neil Harris, their gaffer, said that he thought the 15 minutes at the start of the second half was the difference, and
1: I have to agree with him. We came out uh, uh, like with a bit of intent, but other than that, we
0: didn't create a lot. Um Man of the match, I would say, is John Mellish. I thought Paul Huntington orchestrated the back five really well. He looked like a
1: natural
3: leader, so it was a a flip of the coin between the two of them for me, for man of the match. But both teams look like they're going to have problems scoring goals. We need to get some strikers back fit and pronto.
1: There you go. That's Greg's assessment on the game. Again, wouldn't disagree with too much there, really. Um. His point about the strikers is an interesting one, isn't it? The fact that, you know, yeah. I completely agree with Mark Gillingham. But Gillingham do look like a side that will really struggle to score this season. They man-run up front for them was, I mean, he, he just about got out of Huntington's pocket when he went came, got subbed off for cash-get, didn't he? He was Yeah. He was that poor. But, uh, yeah, the interesting point about whether we need to, I mean, yeah, I suppose we do need to get Edmonton fit and, and available. And, and the same with show Silver in terms of offering something a little bit different from the bench for me, I don't think we actually created that much this weekend, so it wasn't a case of missing so many chances, was it?
2: No, I mean, you know, it's going to sort of seamlessly segue into a, another point a little bit here. But, um, I mean, Patrick wasn't on it, really. Um, no. And I'm a big fan of Amari. Um, yeah. And given the sort of lack of pre-season that he's had, and obviously he's had a newborn and he's, by all accounts, not sleeping very much, you know, it's understandable that he's not at the top of his game. And I think when Edmondson when Edmondson comes back, we're actually going to get two players back for the price of one because we've seen a few times with Amari Patrick when he is sort of a sub, he can make one hell of an impact off the bench, and he sort of he almost he's done it multiple times with us where he forces the manager's hand and says, "Look, I have to be in the starting eleven. This is what I do when I come on for thirty minutes. You know, put me in the starting 11. So I think when Edmondson's back, I think we'll then see the best of Amari Patrick as well.
1: Yeah, I think someone like Edmonton will help him because at the weekend we were lumping a lot of long balls up to Patrick and, you know, he's big lad, but he's not that big. He's not maybe six foot one, six foot, maybe about six foot two, but possibly mm. he's not the tallest lad. And he isn't the best in the air. And that, that's a simple fact of it. You know, that's not his strength. It's something I'm sure he'd love to work on and become better at. But his strength is getting the ball down to his feet and getting him, you know, taking on plays. And we, we, yeah. we, we were a little bit too eager to, to go long to him. And not in the in a good way of you know trying to pick him up with a long raking ball, mm. you know over the top that kind of thing. So I think there's a little bit of both sides here, isn't it? I think Mari just needs to, to get himself fit and get himself back in form. I think once he gets a goal, he'll be flying again because he's yeah, he a confidence player. He he thrives on that. So I'm not too worried at the moment about Mari. I think it's just a case of like I said, get getting his fitness levels up and getting him that goal. And hopefully we yeah. can do that at the weekend. Um, yeah maybe that partnership with Dennis isn't quite working as well at the moment so it's one of those ones if Edmonton's fit for the weekend do you start him maybe and give Amari a little rest and bring him on as a sub later on
2: well yeah I think you know if Edmonton is fit to play on the weekend he's probably not going to be fit to play the full 90 so I think uh, maybe if he's fit enough to start start him give him 60 minutes and then bring
1: Amari on off the bench yeah Yeah, maybe that's your option Um, well I mean let's talk about some of the talking points i put down Mike um Got to talk about the two defenders, and let's talk about them. Um, in fact, before we do, I've got to give a little mention to Corey Whelan because it, it feels bad that we're going to talk about these two here, Huntington and Mellish. But actually, Whelan's not done much wrong since he came into the team. It, it's it's one of those things. The the one from Javis, there's, there's a in the last few games, there's been one incident per game that I've been to, at least anyway, where you just see his pace get found out. That's, yeah, the, one, that's the one thing you think, oh, if you you just had that little bit of pace he'd be a mm. he genu- to be fair, if he had a little bit of pace he probably wouldn't be playing at our level because he's mm. got the right attributes he's a decent player but his pace is his lack of pace is quite glaring at times when he's up against one-on-one against the players isn't there? and that's that's the frustrating thing with, with Whelan
2: yeah uh, I think you summed it up spot on there he had one moment didn't he where he was beaten for pace uh-huh. um, and it nearly let Gillingham in um, but apart from that he had a very very solid game but Sometimes one mistake like that can cost you a
1: game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about the the other two then. I mean, should we start with Huntington rather than Mellish this time? I mean, yeah. for his full debut, you know, the feeling was that he was still needed a little bit of time to get himself fit, and that was shown by the fact that he had to come off for 70 minutes. But, my God, he cruised through that game, didn't he?
2: Yeah, and his reading of the game was just fantastic, wasn't it? He, yeah. he could see things happening way before they did.
1: Um, he had a little clump of player shirts at at some point. It's it's things like that, isn't it? It's it's things like when Mandron was setting himself to go for a jump, just giving him a little nudge in his back. Nothing that'll give away a free kick, just the lightest nudge, just to knock him off his course, and then Huntington's in, and Huntington must have won pretty much every header up against. And Mandron had at least an inch on him. Mm. Uh, Mandron was taller than Huntington, but Huntington won everything in the air against him. He was so so impressive and Mellish was the same to be fair in terms of aerial real threat as well yeah um but he reads the game so well doesn't he? As he, says, he yeah, he screens the thing and the way he was being a leader at the back and he doesn't need to be captain this thing a lot of heard a few people said oh why is Wheeling captain make hunting it's like it doesn't need to be mm. he 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 can do the job without the armband he's more than capable of doing that mm. and he, i'm sure at some point he probably will end up being captain because he's, mm. he is that impressive but he reads the game, so he's passing as well, actually. That's something a lot of people don't seem to forget. He's so good on the ball, isn't he? Mm. There was one raking ball he played across to, I think it might have been to Finn back on the right, that was seriously impressive. Like another yeah, another yeah. one to pick out, Dennis. So that's going to be a really good weapon for us as well, because we haven't really had that since Granger, have we?
2: No, um, and sort of more recently this season, I think when Barkley was out, we missed, because Barkley was yeah. actually pretty good at passing it out from the back. Yeah. And that's something that we missed when he was injured. So, yeah, it's it's good to have. And I almost feel for Barkley because when he's fit again, he's he's, he's really going to struggle to get back in the team.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, uh, let's talk about Melish then as well then. I mean, I, I genuinely think it's a little bit underrated how much he's actually improved under Simpson, especially as a defender. Yeah. I think it doesn't get talked about enough that Forget the fact you know, you say oh, it's a back three, he's only good in that. I genuinely think he could do a decent job in a back two now. In oh, he could,
2: he could do a decent job. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't disputing that before. No, no, no. I was, was, was saying you have a go, I should
1: say. Sorry, yeah. I, yeah, But yeah, I think you see, you do see, you get the best out of his, his strengths in a back three, but in a back, I genuinely think he could do it in a back four as well now. Mm. I think he, the thing that stands out for me on the weekend, and it's interesting this because the stats seem to suggest he was more wasteful in, his, in the passing than it actually was. I thought he used the ball so well and he kept it so well. His passing is so much better than it has been for quite a while, isn't it? Yeah,
2: he, he, he did quite a lot of uh, passes back to Holy. Uh, mm. I think he probably passed it to Holy more than any, any other mm. player on the pitch. Um, but yeah, and he, he, he carried it out of defence well. Obviously, um, I brought my mate Neil up who's uh, who lives in Newcastle and it's quite interesting sometimes to get... People's input who don't go to games very often, yeah. and he said straight away that Mellish was the best player on the pitch for him, and the way that he brought the ball out of defence and physically, I don't think he lost a single a single duel.
1: No, that, that's that's one impressive thing, and, and he's one actually who has got a little bit of pace about him as a defender, hasn't he? And you know when he mm-hmm. gets up to full speed, and we saw it in the Swindon game, you know, and McCurdy only just about got away from him, and he did enough to put him off in that game when mm-hmm. he got one on one. So that's going to be a real big asset as well i think for the rest of the season and yeah it's 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 genuinely i mean I, i've got to give a shout out as well like because I, I, I know that i don't know if his mum listens to the podcast but i know she's very she's a very Vocal supporter of his on Twitter, isn't she? <laughs> it's fair to say. she's a... I wish my mum supported me as much as John Malish's mum supports him. Yeah, don't, don't we all? Yeah, She's she, she very, very good, as she, as she should be, a strong supporter of yeah. his. And she had to give a mention of that. And I've got to think this deserves more of a shout out, is the fact that, obviously, he got the Man of the Match award, which means you have to go up to the um, sponsors' lounge, you know, get your champagne bottle and you know, say thank you to the sponsors and all that important stuff. But as he left, there was a load of kids waiting outside, and apparently he stayed and signed every single one of their autographs before he even went up to the sponsors and he yeah. post photographs and stuff like that. And he seems to be someone who really gets the club as much as anything as well. He's a really, you know, he, 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 we see every week. He, 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 you know, he plays with his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? Yeah.
2: Well, he's our longest-serving player as well, isn't he? Let's let's yeah. not forget that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's his his passion rubs off on other people as well and I think if he plays like that he probably trains like that as well and brings yeah. out the best of others around him
1: yeah I mean he's 24 now he's still he's still a young lad mm. you know of course there's a chance that big clubs might start looking at him but you'd hope that actually you might look at him this is where I can be for a long time because he yeah he's someone I don't know whether his skills would transfer maybe to like a championship level or not but I think he could do it at league one and if he can do that with us he mm. could be a player who gets to the Championship with us, potentially. You know, that's, yeah. that's the dream in the end, isn't it? I'm just having a quick look here, Mike, just to check. He, he's made over 100 appearances for us now, because obviously that mm. first season, he didn't make that many. And mm. he's had a few little spells where he's been out injured. But, you know, counting them all up here, 106, 108, yeah, about 130 in all competitions. Mm. It's quite we, impressive, you know.
2: Well, you say he's had a, a couple of spells out injured. And I, you know, I'm touching wood here, but... Compared to other players, he seems to obviously his fitness on the pitch is running about, is yeah. fantastic, but he seems to sort of avoid a lot of them little niggly injuries as well that yeah. other players pick up a little bit more.
1: Yeah, it's just the odd little ones here and there, but yeah, it, it, all things considered, he, he's only really had two full seasons, hasn't he? Because that first season wasn't a full one, and he was only in the team for short periods because mm. Beach didn't fancy him as a defender at first, did he, obviously? So. And uh, that's that's proved to be a, a genius bit of work from uh, Chris Beach in the end. There. I'm, I'm being facetious there a little bit because he, <laughs> he did a decent job in midfield for us for that one season when he played there fully. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's fa- he's been fantastic. His attitude's brilliant, and I tell you what, Feeney Huntington Mellish. I
2: know, I, 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 and and this is Just the thing him, as well. As things stand, we actually have one of the best defensive records in the football league, yeah. and that's without us really seeing, like you say. Feeney, Huntington, Malish. I mean, that that together. would be my,
1: my back three. I'd have, yeah. I'd have Feeney on the definitely. right of it. I know a lot of yeah. people put Feeney in the middle, but I'd put Feeney on the right because I think he's going to be a bit bit younger, a bit more mobile than, yeah, definitely. than Huntington. And Huntington can just screen the back five from that yeah. position. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite exciting to think how they're going to... I mean, and then you look at it, you've got, like you said, you've got Barkley waiting to come in, who's been brilliant. Whelan's done a good job for us this season. Mm. You've got uh, young... Uh, Idien, mm. they said it on radio the other day, James said it and I can't remember now. <laughs> Ida Hen, I think it is, to be fair. I think it's Ida Hen, mm. um, who you know, seems to have done all right since he's come in. And then Jack Ellis also waiting as well. So we've got lots of options at centre-back. It's quite yeah. exciting, actually, isn't it? It think. wouldn't
2: surprise me if we see Jack Ellis go out on loan, to be honest, with all um, options.
1: I wonder I if you might, maybe you wait until getting towards October and send him out on loans with a National League club. On a three-month loan, where you can recall him after the first month, rather than a half-season loan, that That's... would make much more sense to me.
2: Yeah, I think certainly wait until uh, Jack Senior is back from injury.
1: Yeah, definitely you got to wait till there. Joel Senior I should say there. Joel my... Senior, yeah. Jack Ellis, obviously you get confused. <laughs> yeah. there, but... but there you go. But yeah, no, fantastic defensively. We look so great at the moment. Um, got to give a mention to poor old Christian Dennis. The goal-scoring runs ended. Certainly didn't put a bad performance in. It was, you know, defensive work and good good link play, but he didn't really have the, the, the supply for this match, did he? There was not really much given to him from the midfield.
2: No, and, you know, it's a shame. And obviously, I think, I thought that Bet365 had some kind of glitch where... Uh... They were giving money away because the odds on him to score any time were a lot higher than I thought they should be. Yeah, but no, there was no glitch. <laughs> yeah,
1: no glitches back back to, back to all, But now, hope, yeah. hopefully, he can get back to scoring ways against Rochdale the week, and that's what we have got to hope for. Um, got to give a mention to to Jack Armour as well. Actually, before we do it quickly to round up, because um, I thought he had another great game as well. I think he really is he really is improving this season as well, isn't
2: he? For me, he's he's, he's Mister Consistent. Like you, you just you know what you're going to get out of him every week, and he's pretty much just seven out of ten every week. Obviously, he had that little, you know, mistake maybe against Stevenage, but he's he's just solid, isn't he? And you know what you're going to get out of him. And again, he's only a young lad, and it's it's great to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, I think that sums up the game. There's not a huge amount else to talk about from it (laughs) because, like we said. Wasn't mm. the greatest game of football, um, and our trip up was a little bit disrupted, wasn't it, by the trains? But hopefully that'll yeah, be back to normal. Cancel street. culture, indeed, indeed. Um, right, well, let's do a quick round roundup for to wrap up the first half, Mike. Um, yeah, just looking at the, the results of the weekend. For me, the thing that stands out: Leighton Orient, their unbeaten mm. runs of season starts under Richie Wellens. They've been so mm. impressive this season, haven't they?
2: Yeah, uh, although I mean, Hartlepool maybe weren't the. Uh, toughest of opposition, shall we say?
1: Can, um, can only beat what's in front of you. And the, the big no, thing there exactly. for me is the fact that they're beating them four two, mm. and their goal difference is already at eight, which is the best in the division. So that, that yeah. tells you you need to know that they're, they're racking that up a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Be, be absolutely right. Yeah, but you are right. To be fair, it, it, it's not the the top. I mean, it, it looks like it's nailed on that Richie Wellens will get Manager of the Month, doesn't it? At the moment, so um, yeah. no, no massive surprise there. But actually, it's a fair point when you look through their opening fixtures. I mean, they've had Crawley, who we played, and we saw Crawley were that impressive. They beat Mansfield at home, which is, you mm. know, that's a decent result. Drew with Swindon, mm. beat Colchester. I mean, a lot of people but beat Colchester this season, I think. And then, obviously, opening day, they beat Crimsby who are probably going to be middling this season. So, they've not had too many tough tests so far, but the fact is they're unbeaten. And, you know, yeah. only them and Doncaster remain unbeaten. Doncaster, obviously, uh, they got a, a really decent result the weekend as well, didn't they? Beating Northampton one who are quite well through this season. So, that's a good result for them. Yeah, yeah. Because Northampton were one of the only other unbeaten sides left in the division, weren't they?
2: Yeah, uh, so it's just uh, Stevenage
1: left? Stevenage, no, they got beat at the weekend 1 0 by uh, Salford City, so their their unbeaten start of the season is gone. Um, Salford themselves, they've only lost one game so far, but they're they're doing really well as well, aren't they? Although they've lost, um, what's his name, the lad who's gone to West Brom. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. It's I can't not easy can't remember to remember. His name, now. He's, he's got a double-barrel surname, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. he's gone to West Brom, so that could be a little bit of a blow for them unless they can get someone in before the yeah. end of the window tomorrow. Um,
2: it, it's interesting. there's sort of a, a seamless segue yet again into yeah. our sort of next bit of the the show because obviously Rochdale picked up a, their first point of the season against yeah. Crawley. And yeah. I asked my mate, who's a Rochdale fan, is that sort of a bit of a, a bounce, you know, with the sack and the manager? He says, no, Crawley are just absolutely awful. Yeah.
1: So. They're, they're not a great side out there, but we'll, we'll no. talk about that actually you know, the last time they were in action in the second half of the show. Because yeah. Crawley's goal in that game was very impressive. You've not seen it. He pretty much side-footed it into the top corner from the edge of the box. Really good goal. But that looked about to be about as good as they were for that match. Mm. Um yeah, as you mentioned, they played a, a draw. Uh, Stockport's still struggling to make an impact as well, though, aren't they? They're not really uh, having a great start to the season. 1-1 one, one draw with Swindon Town, only one win so far.
2: Yeah, I don't think any of us saw that coming, did we? But, no,
1: I did yeah,
2: it, 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 we really don't know what we're talking about, do
1: we? I think what we have to remember next time we do this is whoever finishes champions in the National League, they're not going to be flying up the league at the start of the season. <laughs> that seems uh, to be yeah. the way it goes. It's, it's strange, uh, isn't it? But with the investment they've done, you would have expected them to. You mm, really would exactly. Um, yeah, uh, Harrogate they suffered a heavy loss to Newport. They're obviously the next team we face in the league after Rochdale because mm. they've got a decent result of Gilligan, but that doesn't look that impressive now because Gilligan looked that poor against yeah. us. So, you do wonder Harrogate maybe we will finally break the hoodoo at Weatherby Road this week and not next weekend, so sort of the weekend after this one, I should say. So, can only hope. So, yeah, as it stands, only Orient and Doncaster reign unbeaten. And at the bottom, it's Hartlepool, Rochdale and Crawley that are yet to win a game. So your prediction, I mean, obviously you're not right about your prediction for the first manager to be sacked in. Um, you went for Paul Hartley, didn't you, from Hartlepool? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I went for uh, Sutton. Sorry, manager. I do apologise. I think it might, have been, yeah. it might have been me that went for Paul Someone went for Paul Hartley, didn't they? But um, mm. it looks like that one might be the second one, the, the way things are going. So, mm. So there you go. Right, time to take a break, and then we'll be back with the second half of the show.
3: This is John Mellish, you listen to the
1: Brunton Bugle. There's so only one man I could pick for the, uh, the halftime sting this week, and obviously that's Big Bad John, so there you go. Uh, into the second half of the show, we're going to preview the Rochdale game shortly. Um, we'll do the Behind Enemy Lines section in just a minute, but first up, Dan has given us a question of the week to do, and I'm really hoping it's a little bit better than the last <laughs> one. From him, so let's see what Dan's question of the week is.
3: On Friday, the 6th of September 2002, Saturday's visitors Rochdale played up at Brunton Park on a Friday night. Unfortunately for us, they won 2 0, with a certain Mr. Paul Simpson scoring one of the goals. But my question is which other ex-former Blue was his midfield partner that night? I think I know this.
2: I don't. So...
1: Now, when he says former Blue. He didn't say player. I think it might mm. be Chris Beach. I ah, think Beach was there that, that time. Is a I, shout, could, yeah. I could be wrong about one, but I think it's yeah. if it's not Chris Beach. Then oh, I do to think. Of else yeah,
2: yeah, no, be. Beach did play for Rochdale around that time, so wow. yeah. That's should
1: a we good just, shout. Should we just do the answer now then? <laughs> because I'm not normally wait yeah. till the end, but let's let's see what yeah, the answer. Like. So we reckon it might be Chris Beach. Not 100 percent on that one, but let's see what Dan has to say.
3: Paul Simpson's midfield partner that night was Ian Bishop. Uh, Rochdale were his last league club. I think he possibly played at Radcliffe Borough afterwards, but he he only made, I don't even think he made 10 appearances for Rochdale, but uh, one of his last ones was in midfield beside Paul Simpson up here at Brunton Park.
1: Well, that, there you go. Well, well done, you go. Dan. You have stumped us for once. There you go. That's that's a tricky one there. You know what? I remember that because I remember it was a Friday night game. I remember going to it. I remember Bishop and Simpson pretty much ran the midfield that night. It was, mm. yeah, it was men against boys. That's how bad we were back then. But there you yeah. go. Oh, well, there you go. Thanks for that one, Dan. Um, right. Up first in the second half of the show is the Behind Enemy Lines section. And this week, we spoke to Dean from the Rochdale com podcast. Um, What did we talk about? Well, it's been a busy few weeks at Spotland, I think it's fair to say. You know, (laughs) manager sacked, a new one appointed. Um, And uh, yes, we talked a lot about that, about the arrival of Jim Bentley. And uh, we also discussed some of the -the off-the-field issues, which also have come to a a slight resolution in the last week, which is good news for them. So here's the chat I had with Dean uh, earlier today. So we're back with another Behind Enemy lines section. And this week we're talking to Dean from the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. Dean? Good to have you on. Uh, certainly an eventful week or two for Dell fans, isn't it? Uh, Robbie Stockdale sacked after 13 months in charge, and 11 days later, Jim Bentley appointed as his replacement. So, first up, what went wrong for Stockdale? He seems to have been a bit of another summer of upheaval for Rochdale, and it, it just it seems like, in terms of your squad quality, especially, it seems to be in a bit of a downgrade.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think the problem with stockdale was kind of just we didn't we never really knew what he was trying to do i think we kept saying it all the way through last season we were never sure what kind of team he was trying to create we knew he wanted to play with wing backs but beyond that it wasn't clear to see what the actual plan was whether we were trying to counter attack or keep possession or just even even be the kind of team that kind of breaks play up and, and um and, and is difficult to play against we just were kind of nothing team to be honest And and I think some of the issues that we felt were there at the end of last season, like maybe a lack of experience and a lack of character, it we felt like we'd maybe addressed that over the summer by getting players like Richard O'Donnell and um, Tumani, man and Ian Anderson coming back as well, like experienced heads. But um, th- the same issues were still there in the first few games of the season. And if anything, I think, especially away from home, we were we were pretty awful in those first two games under Stockdale at Chillingham. And... Um, and at Stevenage, so I think I think most supporters would probably have, have made that decision at the end of last season. But obviously, we had a, a very difficult time off the field last year. So um, Stockdale was kind of given the benefit of the doubt by the board, which which is it, it was nice of them to give him, to show that loyalty um, and give him that extra chance. But um, yeah, they I think that it, it quickly became clear that that was was an incorrect decision, um, and I think. Yeah, the board should be should be credited for, for making that call early on because it was a difficult one. Um, but I can definitely understand why they did it. And like I said, I think most fans would have probably done that at the end of last season.
1: It's interesting to so say you didn't know what sort of a starter team it wanted them to be because the two games we played against you guys, I was quite impressed actually. I thought you played some nice football and that's maybe the one thing you were lacking was a bit of a killer instinct to the team. So maybe that's the way we looked at it. But I mean, let's talk about his replacement. Jim Bentley, are you happy with his appointment? Um, certainly a bit more of a sort of Keith Hill mould of manager I think you'd say than some of your recent bosses and obviously people are going to look and say well you've just appointed a guy who was sacked by a team in the National League North, seems a bit weird but he's got those years of experience at Morecambe hasn't he and I suppose that's the thing that your board are looking at with his appointment.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely I, I mean, especially where Morecambe were as a club at that point as well they were. They seemed yeah. to be constantly like the favourites for relegation didn't they, every season and he managed to keep them up um, and obviously there was kind of stuff going off on off the field there with players not being paid so I think pretty much what he did at Morecambe can only really be, be considered success given where they were as a club at that yeah. time and I think that's that's the kind of Jim Bentley that we're hoping we're getting. Um I don't think it's a particularly progressive appointment. I don't <laughs> think it's I don't think it's he, he's uh he's gonna be one of those that's probably gonna like kick us on towards the top of the division in the next few years. But I think for the situation we find ourselves in with like say a bit of a downgrade on the squad and, and starting the season in pretty woeful form, it does seem to make sense on paper. I think some of the names that were mentioned before, like like John Askey um, was one and, and David Atta, I think they would have probably given me a little bit more hope than, than Bentley, but he's here now. So, yeah, I think the fans will get behind him and, and hope, hopefully we'll see the kind of things that we were missing under Stockdale that can get us away from the relegation zone. Because right now, I think everyone everyone who's connected to the club, first and foremost, it seems strange to be saying it in August still, but the, the main priority is to make sure we don't go down this season.
1: Well, as Carlo fans, we've been there before. Believe, me. believe me. Yeah. <laughs> you know when, when you when you know you know that you really that's the main aim. So there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. mentioned the summer recruitment there before. You mentioned uh, Ian Henderson's name. Now he. Obviously, he left the club a few years ago, didn't he? Did he go straight to Salford from you guys, didn't he? Yeah,
0: obviously, yeah, he did.
1: Uh, chasing the money, one might say. Um, <laughs> How has he been welcomed on his return? Because he obviously he was a legend in his first spell for what he did with you guys, but he's coming back a little bit older now, and maybe not quite the same goal threat he was in his first time round.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it, which you don't expect, I guess. At thirty seven, yeah. um, he has always kept himself in good shape. Like it, it's always it was always noticeable that even at like 33-34 towards the end of his time at Daly never really looked like a player that was slowing down but obviously those extra few years have made a difference um, basically in the league he's done next to nothing so far um, he, he's been pretty much anonymous which is gutting really because everyone was hoping he'd come in and, and kind of We could, last season we did create a fair few chances and like you say we we're missing that killer instinct but then I think what's happened this season is we've, we've lost a lot of those creative players Corey O'Keefe went to Forest Green Connor Grant went to Milton Keynes so um, I think without that creativity, we haven't had the chances for Henderson to finish. He did score in the in the Pizza Cup on uh, on Tuesday night, which takes him. I think he's now three goals away from being our top scorer of all time, or maybe three from equaling the record. So look, the fans will love him regardless of what happens this season. Yeah. Um, even I think even the even the circumstances of him going to Salford, because yeah, on paper, he, he was chasing the money, but also. <laughs> there was a fallout with David Bottomley, our former chief executive. It's fair to say is is probably the least popular person in Rochdale. So I think mean, even even with that, it was kind of like, well, I can kind of understand why he's gone. Um, so I think even with that, there's no real bitterness. He's been he's been welcomed back with open arms, and hopefully, if we can see him kind of start to to get chances come his way under Bentley with a, in a different system, then he, we know that. If he's in and around the box and the ball lands at his feet, he's going to put it in the net. So if he can do that maybe even 10 times this season and and help us get to 22nd, then it's legend status even further confirmed than it already was.
1: You mentioned there some of the departures, actually. Um, Corio keeps an interest up because I remember you guys were raving about him last season and how pleased you were to get him in from Mansfield on a permanent deal. Uh, what happened? I mean, is it just basically a case of a, a club from a higher division coming in and that's why he decided to leave? It seems a bit of a weird one. He only had him on a permanent deal for such a short period.
0: Yeah, he only he only actually signed a six month ah, deal right. when he okay. signed in January. Basically, his loan deal ex- uh, expired at the start of January. We didn't have any of the ga- any of our games in January, pretty much because of COVID. Um, and he spent pretty much the whole month in contact with a few different clubs in League One and the Championship, by all accounts. And then when none of them came off, he came back to us. But I think everyone, I think everyone was pretty much expecting him to leave this summer, one way or the other. Um, but yeah, he, I, 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 he wasn't as good, to be honest, after he came back in January, and a lot a lot of fans kind of we're losing patience with him by the end but he got 10 assists last season um, hmm. and I don't think anyone else in our squad managed more than three so I, wow. and I think that speaks to like how how important he was to us last season yeah
1: um, in terms of the other summer editions obviously you mentioned Diego Rarga there I think everyone knows about him from his time at Morecambe and uh, other clubs as well Um any other players that we should be keeping an eye out for? It's a weird one to say, because you've had a tough start of to the season, but is there any others? I mean, <laughs> the only other name that Carl recognised probably is, is Conor Malley, who we had for a, a very short loan spell, very unsexful, unsuccessful sorry loan spell, I should say. Uh, but yeah, anyone else we should keep an eye out for?
0: Um, well, to be fair, Conor Malley's not played too much yet, but he, he no. played in that game at Accrington last night and was very good. Um, so I would expect him to start, and if he can play like that again, then he should be dangerous. I think the player that, that I keep mentioning um, is Ethan Briley. He's he's just 18, he scored his first goal for us last night. Um, he is uh, a hell of a talented player, and I don't think we'll keep hold of him for very long. He is a Dale fan though, so maybe that <laughs> maybe that might might uh might um convince him to stick around a little bit longer than we've seen some of our other youth products do. But yeah, he's 18 years old, got an unbelievable passing range, and just you know, you can just tell when a player is going to go to a higher level. Yeah. to just stand out. He's definitely one of them. It's just whether, because of the situation we find ourselves in, he's still not starting every week. And I think maybe the management want to keep him out of the firing line a little bit, um, especially at such a young age. But, yeah, if he's playing, he's one to look out for. And I think the other player that has shown glimpses so far, which maybe you might surprise you, given his record in the lower leagues before coming to us, is Devante Rodney. Mm. Um he he looks like the kind of player that if we play a system that suits him um, and we could get balls in behind for him to chase, then he might be a bit of a threat. Um, but if we tr- if we're trying to like lump it up and play him as a target man, then he isn't that. But but with his pace and he's he's scored two goals so far, one in the league and one in the league cup, and both of them were really good finishes. So there's definitely like there's definitely potential there. Um, and if if we can play to his strengths, I think he'll end up being a decent player for us.
1: It's interesting what you said about Bradley there because it just brings you back flashbacks of a uh, Jared Brand for us and um, watching him as a seventeen-year-old cruising yeah. around in defence. You're like, yeah, he's not going to be here very long, is he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Everton game <laughs> sniffing not long after shock horror. Um, so yeah, was top covered in terms of the transfers coming in, things like that. Um, what's the realistic aim for this campaign? I think I know what the answer. because I think you've more or less told us this, but what what's the aim for the rest of the campaign for Rochelle?
0: Yeah, if I'm being honest, my um. My my belief in this squad is quite low. Uh, so I, wow. I, I will I will snap anyone's hand off for 20 seconds right now. Um I don't think that would have been the aim for most at the start of the season. I think I think I know a lot of a lot of pundits had us like twenty-third, twenty-fourth, and a lot of our fans felt that was harsh. I was kind of, of the of the feeling that we might be maybe nineteenth, twentieth. Um but yeah, the, the the more that I've seen of this squad, the less convinced I am about its ability. Um, but obviously you a new manager comes in, and like any other, like any other football fan, is like a little bit of hope. Isn't it? They comes from comes from somewhere. So I think I will take twenty second right now. I know a lot of fans in the summer said maybe twelve, thirteenth. I think that's a that's a pipe dream, to be honest.
1: <laughs> well, before I give, go on to the predictions, Dean, um, just got a quick ask you as well about the off the field issues because we talked about those a little bit last season. And yeah. the, the hostile takeover, which I think was was seen off. Uh, how how are things going in terms of all that sort of stuff at the moment?
0: Well, we had some great news um, last last week. In there was a, a court case um, involving Morton House because basically the club uh, issued some shares. Um, Morton House took the club to court or took the the, the board of directors and the, the supporters trust to court rather uh, than the actual club because they felt that it, it diluted their shareholding. Um, uh, thankfully, that that case has been settled now. Uh, the club is still, but the, the, the trust is still. Fundraising because they're a little bit short on the legal fees, but um, the fact that 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 legal battle is over is a massive, massive weight mm-hmm. off all of our shoulders. Um, the only thing that's kind of still lingering from it is uh, is the EFL investigation. Um, it will be harsh. We feel that if the club were to be punished for the actions of former individuals who I mentioned earlier on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but I think once that is out um, and. I think once football fans, not just Dale fans, but football fans everywhere, can kind of see exactly what happened um, in the report, uh, I think. Well, yeah, I think it will be a, a, an interesting read. Let's put it that way. And I think some, I think there'll be some uh, some former Dale directors who will who, be wincing reading that. Um, but once that is done, I think that that should be pretty much it. Um, aside from you know the continued the continued effort to raise funds to uh, to pay the legal fees, but. I think even the majority of that, we seem to be on on, on a good track with that. Um, yeah. We seem to have the the most of that money seems to be um, seems to have been raised at this point. So it, it, it's looking a lot better off the field than it did 12 months ago. That's that's for sure. And I, I mean, the, the board of directors have come in in incredibly tough circumstances yeah. last summer, and the job that they've done really has been phenomenal. Um, I think the only mistake that they've made really is, is maybe. Sticking with with Robbie Stockdale for slightly too long and that leaving us in a bit of a difficult position on the pitch, but off the pitch, the club's in a, in a in the best shape it's been for a long time, in my opinion. And, and yeah, long way that continues.
1: Well, that's good to hear. I think most Carlisle fans would agree on that because you know I know that it's been to a lot of the Botoris in a way that we look forward to going to Scotland. So it's a really good to hear that. Like right, before, we finish up, Dean. We always ask at the end for your predictions for this weekend's games. So what are you going for?
0: Well, yeah, like I say, I'm not, I'm not too hopeful about this team, um, and I know Carlisle have been strong at home, haven't they, so far? So I think it's going to be tough for us. But you know, new manager, you always, you always hope for a little bit of a balance. So I'm going to say that we nick a point. I'm going to go for a one-one draw.
1: Okay, well there you go. That's a, <laughs> interesting to see how it goes. Anyway, Dean, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season.
0: Cheers, Lee. Thanks very much for having us.
1: Okay, thanks once again to Dean for giving up his time to speak to us. Um, it sounds like things are a little bit more optimistic of Rochelle at the moment, doesn't it? As you've got a friend who's a big Rochelle fan, as you mentioned before, Mike, and um, it does sound like, especially with the off-the-field issues, hopefully being in the distance past now, they obviously I think they've got to say, still got to raise a little bit of money for the legal fees they had to take out for that court case, but it, it sounds like off-the-field they're in good nick. The problem is on the field. They've shown a bit too much loyalty to Stockdale, <laughs> and the result yeah. is they've uh, struggled,
0: haven't they?
2: yeah definitely and I think by all accounts a lot of Stockdale's recruitment really wasn't the best um, mm. but, but the fans seem to be actually quite behind Bentley and they know that he is not going to turn this turd into something shiny um, <laughs> <laughs> water into wine
1: I think is what you were thinking of there but you yeah <laughs> a, a gold, yeah there you go.
2: Um, yeah, but people are behind him, and they they know that it's going to be a slow process to sort of lift their heads as well, because they just seem completely bereft of confidence. And I mentioned a few weeks ago that if we if we can go one nil up against a struggling team, you know, a few weeks into the season, players start bickering with each other, and it quickly becomes two or three nil. And I think Rochdale could well be that kind of team this week.
1: Yeah, there's, there's every chance of that. I know. I know people will talk, oh, you know, worried about the new manager bounce. There is a good reason why they haven't got any points this season, or one point this season. Mm. You know, they're not a great side. But that's 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 the brutal honesty. Of it. And I'm sure Bentley will have a good go at getting them away from trouble. But it's going to be a long, tough season for them. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, so for this weekend's game um, at Brunton Park, uh, Adam Herksegg is the uh, referee. It's his first season in the EFL. Um, he's taken charge of four games so far this season. He's handed out eleven yellow cards and two red cards already, so certainly very card happy. Mm-hmm. Um, last season, he took charge of the eventful non-league, uh, sorry, national league uh, playoff semi-final between Wrexham and Grimsby. The one that ended up, I think it was 5-4 in the end. Mm. It was an absolutely mental game. He did miss a blatant handball from Mullin for one of the goals in that. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't have been happy about that. Last season, he, t- he handed out 56 yellow cards and no red cards, funnily enough, in 15 games at National League level. So only 15 games at National League. Suggest, so I think he might have been quite often. I think he sometimes was a uh, fourth official at Football League level because the name does ring a bell. I've definitely seen it in some of the match previews we've done last season, I'm sure. Um, so there you go. Head-to-head record, ninth meeting between the two sides. I think that might be the team we've played the most in the league.
2: I think it is, yeah. I'm
1: going to have to have a good look through all the ones that I know we've played a lot to try and work out if it is or not because the only ones I think that might come close would possibly be Darlington and Hartlepool. Mm. Maybe Alden might be quite high up there, although Alden had that long period in the top flight and the, mm. you know that that sort of level. So, yeah, I'll have to have a little look and see whether they are or not. Um so yeah, so we're playing against uh, the Dale. Um, well, let's talk about Jim Bedley, manager appointed um, yeah, this week. Do you think it's the right man for them, Mike? Um, it's one of
2: them. I don't think a lot they them have had people queuing up to take the job. <laughs> um, yeah, he, I mean, he did all right at Morecambe you would think. But at the same time, when he left, Mockham really kicked on, didn't well, he?
1: Well, I think where you go got to remember with, with, with his time at Mockham, a lot of people do say that, and I, I get it. People say, oh, maybe he was the one holding them back. Actually, off the field, they had a lot of issues during his time as manager. There was times when people weren't getting paid. And I think these days, they I'm not saying they're splashing money really like it's going out of fashion at Mockham, because they're certainly not. But I think the budget's a little bit less stringent there. I think there's less issues in terms of, you know, worry about paying players and stuff like that. So I think, I'm not saying he would have done exactly the same with the money that, you know, Derek Adams mm. has had. Derek Adams has clearly done a brilliant job at Markham, but mm. I think there probably needs to be a little bit of revision there in terms of, you know, Bentley wasn't holding it back. I think he was just the right man at the right time for them. And I think actually, on that reflection, he's probably the right man at the right time for Rochdale. still.
2: Yeah, I, but at the same time, he didn't set the world alight at AFC file, did he? Um, that's, a,
1: that's a weird, weird football club. Yeah. Right? It's one of those ones where there's so much ambition there, and they throw so much money at it. There's, sometimes when you're, I wonder if you're a manager and you, you're given all that money, you're just tempted to throw the money at players, rather yeah, than thinking, think so well, actually, I could build a decent team here without having to spend all that money, I could mm. get the right players in. And then I suppose when you try and get those players, they know you're a club that's got a lot of money and they demand silly You stick an extra
2: zero on it, don't
1: you? Yeah. So that, that in itself can actually be quite a st- tough challenge sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it's better to be at a club, almost for Simo, like a club at a, like a Carlisle, where you know what the budget is, you know what you've got to mm. spend, and actually you get the players and you think are right for the team, don't you? And yeah, I mean,
2: I, I almost feel for Bentley, it's one of them jobs where if Rochdale go down, I don't think anyone will blame him. But if they stay up, he is a miracle worker and, yeah. you know, it's, it, I mean, it's five, a genius.
1: It's five games in too early to sack, do you think? I was wondering, um, why we, we, we talked about this with, with, with Dean just before, and and they, they felt though he was right, they knew it was the right time to do it. And I actually tend to agree, actually, because when you look back to when Roddy was sacked early into that season, when he was sacked and Simo obviously took over not long after, yeah, it was awful for the first half of the season and Simo was real tough, but... Sometimes you just got to do it, don't you?
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it sounds a bit weird to say five games in, but because he was there a lot longer. And I think sometimes, yeah. when once a season is over, clubs want to maybe give managers the benefit of the doubt and go, okay, we'll let them bring some new players in. Next season is a clean slate. And if it starts badly, you know, as it finished badly the season before, then they're out the door. But, you know, sometimes when managers. A new season clean slate and it and it works out well for them, but Stockdale, sadly for, for him, wasn't one of them.
1: No, I mean looking at their summer recruitment and their squad, Mike, um there's a little bit of experience in there. You've got Richard O'Donnell on the net, you know, he's been about quite a bit of Bradford for quite a few years, hasn't he? Um mm. Diagaraga, you know, we we know what a player he was with with Brentford and then with Morecambe, you know, he's a player who can Really bossed the midfield on his day. Um, although he's he certainly no spring chicken these days, is he? He's, what, 34 now, I think? Mm. Um, yeah, Liam Kelly we saw last season was real quality, wasn't he? A tiny little player, but he had a real bit of ability on the ball. But beyond that, it's tough, isn't it? Especially in attack. I look at that attack and Devante Rodney's been around the block with League Two clubs. The rest, oh, Ian Ian Henderson's the one that stands out, isn't he, I suppose?
2: Yeah, but by all accounts, he's just a shell of the player that he yeah. used to be. Um, he's probably
1: as good to have around the training ground as much as anything. A bit of experience in there as well. At the moment, yeah,
2: especially you know given the situation that they're in. But I think Henderson is about four goals short of being Rochdale's all-time top goal scorer. Yeah,
1: um,
2: which would be qu- quite incredible, uh, really, because you don't you don't see them records get broken a lot nowadays. Because if no. if if somebody scores over a hundred goals for a League Two club. They're gone before, yeah. before they get before they get anywhere near that, really, aren't they? Uh, exactly, but but yeah, it'd be uh, but they, as well, they, they lost. I think one, two, they lost three players to clubs from a higher division.
1: Yeah, which... I mean the one the ones that stand out. I mean, Egan O'Connell was a very good centre back for them. Yeah. And obviously, he's gone to to Charlton. Connor Grant had a bit of ability on the ball. He's gone to, to MK Dons, and one of the ones actually, Corey O'Keefe. They signed in January. We we touched on it on. on with the chat with Dean you know they only got him on a six month deal when he left Mansfield after the initial loan spell with Rochdale, mm. and there was always a feeling of it he's not going to stay long term here and obviously mm. he's gone 10 assists for them last season from mm. wing back mm. if you're going to be playing a wing back system and you lose a player who's that important in terms of assists in that mm. role it's going to be tough isn't it
2: yeah exactly um, and just looking at, at the rest of the squad really uh, I mean Liam Kelly, in midfield. You touched on him before. He's a good player, but he's, he's a midget, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a, a battle that I can see us come out on top on. Um, yeah, it's just not a lot of uh, names in there really that. Uh, that fill me with fear to be honest yeah
1: you, you can kind of hope that you know that they I do hope they have a bounce because I think we both agree you know we drips oh, the to Rochelle don't we in yeah
2: absolutely yeah. you know they are an absolutely proper football club and um the one that you worry for if they go down I don't think they'd bounce straight back either no. um so yeah I, I you know I really want them to to stay up but it's it's gonna be a tough ask and it feels mad saying that so early into the season
1: yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it's gonna be a tough one for them. I, I think it depends on whether Bentley can maybe get a few, you know, hardened, you know, old ex you know, probably good ex pro you know, not players. sorry, experienced pros is what I mean. So yeah, into the squad. That's that's I think that's the key thing for them, really. They, mm. they they need to do that. Um yeah, uh well, I mean last time out we sort of touched on it before, but they drew one one with Crawley. Um yeah, the the visitors took the lead just on the stroke of half time. A great finish by um Jack Powell, if you, go go back and see if you haven't seen it already. Nice little move across the box and then sort of on the edge of the D, he just sort of side it into the top corner. Really, really good goal. Um, responded well in the second half by looks of things and they uh, got their equaliser when left wing cross was headed in by Tyrese Sinclair. Um, Crawley finished the game with 10 men after having a man sent off with four minutes to go, but both sides had to settle for a point and still waiting for their first win, aren't they? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's it's going to be a tough fell season, I think, for both of those clubs. Actually, to be honest, I think Crawley mm. are going to do a lot worse than a lot of people expected. Um, mm. Let's talk about United. Then, da- uh, sorry, Mike, not done. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's looking a bit better now, isn't it? Injury wise, it's fair to say.
2: Yeah, I mean, because I, I was thinking before about my uh, sort of prediction for this week, and I think a lot depends on sort of is Edmondson fit. Uh, hmm. You know, uh, I hope he is, uh, but we've got to ease him in, certainly. But, yeah, uh, Huntington, by all accounts, had a bit of a calf thing um, mm. going on when he came off um, on Saturday, um, which is kind of understandable with the lack of football he's had. Just protect um, him.
1: I, th- I think he'll be fine. I think they'll just protect him, hence why he yeah, playing midweek basis. No need to I lose think so. in that game.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, and obviously, obviously Feeney uh, had a little run out as well. Um, which which is good. Um, so, yeah, we're certainly in much better shape than we were a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the injury list here. I'll see you got Dickinson and Dixon, the long, long-term uh, ACL injuries. A senior who's coming towards the end of his ACL, hopefully, I think about six, seven weeks maybe, back in training, hopefully, which mm-hmm. would be fantastic to see, really, and give us another option down the right. I mean, I think that'll make a big difference to us actually coming up to, to Christmas as well. Not not just in terms of, you know, giving Finn break Finn back a break sort of, you know, from starting games, but actually you could tell back, just run yourself into the ground for sixty, seventy minutes. Yeah. And Joel Senior can come on. We've seen Senior's got a bit of ability on the ball, so mm. that'll be really exciting to see when he comes back fit. Um as you mentioned there, Moxham was back feeding back, so they're probably likely to be back in. Charters is going to be eased back in, I think, isn't he, from his injury? They don't want to rush him too much. Um so hopefully he'll be uh, back up and running soon as well, giving us another option down the left as well, which is really good to see. Yeah,
2: um, cause, I mean, I, I said it through the week that I think both wing-backs have absolutely run themselves into the ground this season. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be good for, you know, to give them a little rest where where we can afford to.
1: Definitely. Um, would you freshen up the fence? Would you take Wheeling out for Feeney? I and mean, it's harsh, but...
2: Yes, to be honest... Uh, which, yeah, like you say, it, it d- does feel a bit harsh, but I think the sooner that we can get Feeney, Huntington, Mellish building that understanding, the better, because uh, yeah. I think them three are certainly the way forwards.
1: Yeah, and then the challenges for Barclay and Wheeling when they actually come into the team as subs or when players get injured to take a yeah. chance. Yeah, so, cause, exactly, because yeah, Feeney has a habit of getting injuries, so, you know, t- 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 he could well miss out. Yeah, point.
2: exactly, and, and, you know, H- Huntington, given his lack of pre season, he might pick up a little musk. Muscular thing here and there, yeah. so I think there, w- there will be op- opportunities for them. But it's good, that, you know, the pressure on them. They know that if they make a mistake, yeah, they'll struggle to keep their place in the team.
1: Exactly, exactly that. Right. Well, let's do our predictions then. Um, so we'll, we'll do Dan's first. Dan always tends to go first in these. Uh, here's what Dan had to say.
3: I'm going to go for a three nil win. Uh, I think if Brian Edmonton's back in the team, I fancy him to get one. Uh Christian Dennis to get another and Owen Moxon.
1: Well, there you go. Mike, um, please tell um, me your prediction's not exactly the same.
2: It actually was. But I'll 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 mix it up and I'll I'll change Moxon to Huntington.
1: Oh well, there you go. Right, well I'm gonna go for a four 0 win. <laughs> Which is what Dan went for last week. These these big wins never come off. That's the problem there, but I'm going for it. I'm gonna be optimistic. Four 0 win. Uh, I'm going to go for Christian Dennis to score, um, Patrick to get one, Huntington to get one, and Jamie Devitt will get one coming off the bench. I think he'll score. Having uh, yeah, I think I've yeah, I've had Devitt to score one as well.
2: By the way, uh, the sort of table for predictions, all Unchanged. of us didn't score a single point last week because yeah. nobody predicted one nil and nobody predicted John Malish to score. So
1: yeah. it's your two's fault for finally predicting Dennis to score. <laughs> <Yeah. done. laughs> I kept with it and he was scoring and you just ruined it for me. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right, well, let's do the uh, the X-Files section, Mike, before we uh, wrap things up. Um, Busy issue week. F- fair few things happened, wasn't there? Mm. Um, first up, uh, let's go down under, Mike. And uh, we're going to, we're going to, Austra- again. Going to Australia. <laughs> I'm a ter- terrible Australian accent, I do. But we've definitely got Australian <laughs> listeners as well, so I do apologise. Um, yeah, so uh, Zach Clough... He was on the score sheet for Adelaide United in their 2 2 draw with City rivals Adelaide City in the Australia Cup. Uh, United subsequently won the penalty shootout 4-1. I think uh, Clough had been subbed off before that point, so uh, he didn't take any of the penalties. Uh, Jerry Yates once again involved in a free free draw with Blackpool, this time at home against Bristol City. That's like two in the space of a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we have a game where he finished a 1-1 draw and both of the scorers were ex carlow players. That was Bristol Rovers against uh, Sh- uh, Shrewsbury Town. And the scorers, of course, were the two Ryans, Loft and Bowman. They score in this game. If you haven't seen, have you seen the uh, the video that Shrewsbury Town have done on TikTok? Yeah. The yeah. M&M one. If you haven't seen it, go and look at it up. Look up Shrewsbury Town TikTok or something like that. You'll find it. it's very, very good, to be fair. I'm very impressed with that. Great content. Uh, Paddy Madden he was sent off in Stockport's one-one draw with Swindon Town over the weekend. Hallam Hope scored an injury-time winner in Oldham's two-one victory over Aldershot Town. Uh, Aaron Hayden he got a brace in w- Wrexham's three-two win at Woking. Chedwin Scott he scored. Kedwin Scott sorry he he grabbed his first goal for Nuts County in a four-one win. At struggling Halifax. Poor Halifax are struggling this season now. They bottom of the mm. uh, National League, having lost their manager and quite a few key players. Not not a mm. great season for them so far. And uh, Mark Becky continued his decent run. He scored in Darlington's one-one draw with Spennymoor Town um, in midweek. Uh, Hallam Hoops scored again. I haven't written down who he scored against. This is really good practice, this Lee, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I don't know how that's happened. I started writing it down, and I've clearly not finished it. So, because um, the National League play games on Mondays, well, didn't they? I think. That's mm. interesting because they they play on. The, uh, it's one of the things I do miss about being in the National League having the the bad quality double header. I don't know why we don't do that in the Football League anymore. It's a bit of a yeah. weird one, that, isn't it? Very strange indeed. So, uh, yeah, he scored in a 1-1 draw at York City. There you go. So, uh, all of them having an okay start to the season, I seem to remember. So Hmm. Not not the best, but I'm sure they'll they'll be happy enough that they've got a club to support again now that they've uh, had their takeover. Um, Also in midweek, Steve Swingle, He scored in Annan's 4-1 defeat Aberdeen in the Scottish League Cup. Doesn't tell the full story of that scoreline, though, does it? Because it was 1-1 after full time. And Aberdeen, basically, with the you know the extra fitness of being full-time, powered them away in extra time. But it sounded like they were, they were on the ropes quite a bit of that game at Aberdeen. So mm-hmm. they'll be pleased to have got away with that. Um, I should say Max Kills will be playing this game as well, which is really good to see as well, Get him getting a bit more game time with uh, Anon. Um We haven't done any loan updates on um, Lewis Bell and Sam Fishburn yet because they've, they've not really done much. They've been sort of coming on as subs or starting games where they're not really having a huge impact so far so we'll maybe do a little round up next week if, they've, if there's been any more news on them too transfer news Mitch Roberts remember him he was on loan for the second half of last season didn't do a huge amount he's uh, he's joined Oldham Athletic on loan from Birmingham City until January and uh, a name from a couple of seasons ago Josh Coyote he's joined MK Dons on loan from Rovers United for the rest of the season I think that's a really good move for Coyote don't you
2: yeah definitely um yeah, he was a good player for us, wasn't he? And he, it's some loanies their next loan move is a league down, like with Mitch Roberts, uh, and obviously he's more on the up.
1: Yeah, obviously with than being in the Championship, he's probably not likely to feature as much this season yeah. for them as he so it's a good good, good one for his uh, continued development. A uh, little bit of other news, it's a little bit of transfer news, but not actually happened yet. It, it looks like uh, Harry McCurdy is closing on a, on a move to SPL side Hibernian. That's obviously the we're recording this on Wednesday and the window closes on Thursday, so there's no news on that one yet. So mm. you may well have moved by the time you listen to this. Um, but for those uh, wanting to, to keep an eye out, uh, he, he plays the first time against an old firm team in uh, on October the fifteenth. So if, <laughs> if you wait for that one, yeah, I think mm. they they played hard the week, didn't they? Disappointing. So you can't feature mm. in that one either. But I'm sure you, I'm sure he'll make a lot of friends in Glasgow and on the other side of Edinburgh when he makes well, that move.
2: Well, that's well. You know, I don't want to uh, sort of... Uh, I don't know. But he's... Because he's, he's Rangers, isn't he? Sort of has a thing for Rangers McCurdy.
1: Uh, he probably would do, because I imagine being a Chelsea fan, there's quite a close connection with Rangers isn't and, there, so Yeah, and
2: Hibs are the uh, Catholic club in Edinburgh, aren't they? Yes, yes. So oh, I, I think... It's probably not gonna take him long before he pisses off the, the Hibs fans somehow. I don't yeah, know.
1: I'm sure he'll find I'm sure he will find a way, he always yeah. does. Um Jared Brownfoot, he made his first start for PSV this evening, just as we were recording. I think he's just finished mm. that game. Uh for PSV Eindhoven against FC yeah. Volendam. Uh, really tough afternoon he had though. seven uh, one win for PSV, so Yeah. But he, <laughs> he played the full ninety as well. He did play the full ninety and he did make a mistake for the for the uh Volendam goal, didn't he? So Yeah. Um but I'm sure he'll pick up from that. The seven one win tells you they've done pretty well, so there you go. Um couple of like very loose, tenuous uh, X Files ones this week to in at the end. Um Alessio Bunio first up, uh, he was he's been spotted <laughs> He's working for a legal firm in Italy, which does mention the fact that he used to play for Carlisle. Uh, he specialises in sports consultancy for them. So uh, well, we'll put that link up on the Twitter feed. I'll get down to do that <laughs> in the next couple of days. And uh, here's one to make us both feel old, Mike, isn't it? Lee Miller's son, Lennon. Yeah, he was named on the bench from Motherwell in their game against Kilmarnock just two days after he turned 16 years old. God, damn um, I, I remember him having a kick about when he was one. Well, yeah, would I remember have been. that. It oh, would have been yeah, he would have been about six years old on the Brunton Park pitch yeah. after games. Wow,
2: That'd and that's not even his youngest son his older son, is it?
1: No, his his older son's a, a like a GB judo champion or something like that. I think mm. he's, he's very, really really high up in GB judo. So, you no. Know. Sport runs in the fact. I think one of his younger ones possibly on on ranges this books as well. So mm. yeah, it, it's fair to say the sporting talent runs in the family there. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a sign that you can get it from your jeans, don't you? Well, that, that said, my dad was a very good runner and I'm not a very good runner. So <laughs> my brother my brother got the my brother's listening here, he definitely got the running jeans there, I can tell you that much now. Um well that's it, Mike, isn't it? That, that's wrapped it up yep. for another week. Um yeah, it's just a case of keeping on going, isn't it, at the moment, really? You know, the, the form's been pretty good, and I'm, I'm sure it'll continue. And just got to pray that no one leaves tomorrow. <laughs> oh, touch wood, right? No one's leaving on deadline yeah, day. Yeah, I hope
2: it's the most boring transfer deadline day that we've had in a long, long time.
1: It's mad to think when you go back to the one in January and we were so desperate to get <laughs> players in and we were panicking and, you know, where these players announced after the final thing. Tomorrow, it's kind of like, well, hopefully nothing will happen. Yeah, be boring as hell but you get the feeling that if, if something did happen and someone comes in with a big bid for a player I just have this feeling we'd be we'd have someone lined up to come in anyway I think we'd be okay I'd hope so but touch wood that's, yeah. that's the hope let's hope Greg's got his uh, magic list together and we're ready to go um, thanks once again to our sponsors London Branch always appreciate their support um, yeah in terms of upcoming episodes we'll obviously be doing a preview for the Harrogate game coming up um, trying to fit in that CUFC 11 at some point we're trying to fit a time to do your CFC 11 as well Mike you'll have to come up with yours yeah. won't you and uh, we've got an interview hopefully lined up soon I'm just trying to get something sorted for that so uh, so there you go that's it, Also, uh, I should say as well the uh, the episode with Tim Pocock as well we're going to try and get that sorted too and I need to actually read the book I've finished the book I've just been reading so I'm going to give that book a good read now and uh, we can talk with me and Dan can have a chat with Tim about it uh, in the near future and that's it so uh, thanks for everyone, everyone for listening and off the blues
2: up the blues up oh, the blues we